Welcome to Grad School, the Bruce Gradkowski Podcast. Upping your football knowledge, class is now in session. We have a special show for you today. This one's extra special. I get to have my main man, Chris Sims, on the line. Um, what a career he's had, not only in the football field. You know, I know he went through a lot, but also now off the field in the media world. He's doing a great job with NBC and the Bleacher Report. Um, and the guy cares. He puts a lot of time into what he does and his work. He knows the game. Um, so we, we will have a great conversation We'll talk about our Gruden days. We'll talk about these young quarterbacks coming out in the draft. How do you evaluate these guys? We're going to talk about the best quarterbacks of all time. Some stories from from back in the day when uh, Sims and I played for Gruden. So we got a great show for you ahead. Um, show brought to you by Social Gastro Pub in Toledo, Ohio, and Pilgrimage Hospice in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Special show for you guys today, and thanks for tuning in. Like always. Follow me on Twitter, bgradkowski5. Any questions, comments, remarks, feedback, even if if you want to be critical, be critical, please. I just want to bring a good show to you guys that you can enjoy. Um, So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, It's always fun. Some crazy news out there with Des Bryant moving. um, And so, so we'll see what shapes up with that. A lot of good stuff continues on this path to the draft. We can't wait. A lot of good stuff this offseason, but I don't even want to waste any more time because this is just too good to hold up. So now I want to bring in Chris Sims. Simsy, thanks for joining me. What's up, Bruce? How you doing? I mean, I don't know if I'm big time. Let's, you know, let's pump the brakes, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get to, to become big time status, definitely. Well, well, you do, man. You do a great job, though. Like, listening to you, what, M- NBC, Bleacher Report, uh, right. you, you know, I guess that's what you have to do though. You're, you're all over the place. Uh, but being retired from football, is that just what you had to do coming out? Yeah. You know, I think when, when I got done, I mean, as you know, and I think you and I are very similar, we love the sport. We grew up in the sport, right? So right. It, it's hard to break away from it when it's part of your everyday DNA since you're a little boy. And, uh, I went and worked for the New England Patriots for about 18 months and learned a lot, had a great time, really thought I wanted to get into coaching or front office. But I just realized I got, I got offered a job, another job in the NFL, and I came home one day to my wife, and I was like, you know what, this, you know, this team called me to offer me a job. Do we really want to go and move again? And she was like, wow, wow, do we, are, is this what we're going to do? Are we right. going to move every two or three years to climb the ladder? And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. This is kind of what it takes to be an NFL coach if you right. want to get to become a head coach, right? You know that. Right. And she kind of looked at me and was like, I don't know if I signed up for this. <laughs> and I was like, I hear you. And I, and I was really at the point struggling too because, of course, as you know, coaching in the NFL is a extremely tough job. You're not around your family a lot. And – uh, I was working in New England, which I would suggest is probably, or I would guess is certainly one of the hardest places to work in the NFL. And I just felt like I was missing my kids too much. And that's when I kind of reevaluated it. I said, let me get in this media thing. Bleacher Report called me and they were th- like, we think we got a gig that's like right up your alley. And uh, I became the lead NFL analyst for Bleacher Report. That went well. NBC Sports called me and I do some stuff for them too. And it's, uh, it is, it's been good. I work hard at it. I watch film. I'm a poor man's GM. That's what I like to call myself. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, and that's probably what you had to hear from your wife, Danielle, is is almost like the truth. Like, oh man, really? Yeah. Like, because we went through that too, man. The last two years since I've been done, I talk to coaches and you see the musical chairs and I'm like, man, I, I could be a QB coach, you know, to jump in, yeah. climb the ladder to be a head guy. And, you know, I have Tomlin tell me last season, man, you remind me a lot of Jason Garrett, just get in this thing. And I could right. see, you know, I watched Jason Garrett's career from when he finished playing to coaching it. And I thought about it, but like you said, man, you're going to move every couple years. And with the little ones, as you know, uh, the yeah. time with them is just so important, man. And just to be around them. Yeah, it is. It's huge. And exactly. I mean, you only get to be a dad once. And I know as much as I want a Super Bowl ring so badly, I know, uh, okay, let's say I got a Super Bowl ring coaching somewhere. That's great. I still think when I was, you know, 50, 60 years old, I was going to look back at it and go, damn, I didn't see my kids, you know, from the ages of four to 20. And I didn't see them grow up and I wasn't there for them. And I couldn't stomach that. So 
I'm glad I did it first. I'll say that for any ex player out there or, you know, even yourself, I know you're still figuring out what the hell you want to do too. I think to a degree right, right. where I knew I had to do the coaching thing first. Cause if I went into the media thing first, I was always going to go, Ooh, should I have been in the coaching? Should <laughs> right. I have done that? Right. Is that where my heart truly lives? You know what I mean? So the fact that I did that first kind of made me realize, like you said, the wife saying that to me, it brought it all to a pinnacle where I was like, you know what? You're right. It's not for me. Maybe I'll revisit it once the kids get into college. Hey, and they, they, they call the shots, you know, the wives are going to tell it like it is. And, um, but you probably happy wife, happy life. Ain't that the truth? You know what I mean? Shit. <laughs> but I mean, yes, honey, sure, whatever you say, honey. Yeah, right, right, babe. Let me just watch these games. No problem. I'll, I'll do the dishes later. Uh, <laughs> you know, they she Miranda still doesn't understand how I can watch football all day and just you know. Right. And, and I, I'm like, babe, you've been with me since college, and you're still wondering this, you know. <laughs> Yeah, hey, listen, my, my my wife is totally clueless. I've been with her since high school, very similar to you. She still doesn't understand why I like football. She <laughs> thinks it's so stupid, any sport in general. She's like, oh, they won? I mean, I've seen this story. I mean, all these stories are repeatable. You know, I have to be like, what are you talking about? But she could care less. She had no clue who my dad was when I first met her. She knew, like, Joe Montana and Michael Jordan. That was about the extent <laughs> of her, her sports knowledge. And you know what? That was probably good because that's how I met my wife. You know, they, they're clueless, so you're actually like, all right, cool. I don't have to put on a front or – or, you know, yeah. have they but, like you for you. Right. You know, and that's probably hard for you to find, but I'm glad you found it. It is. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, same, you know, I think that's the way you see a lot. Of, there's a reason LeBron James is probably, you know, still with his high school sweetheart, because as you know, you, you know, you were Mr. Big Time at Toledo. You start to wonder, wait, these girls that are approaching me, do they like me for me actually? Or they just like the fact that I'm a quarterback and that I might have some money in my pocket here in the future. What is that? So uh, I think it's pretty common place that we've seen that. I know you, you and I both, we had a lot of ex-teammates who were with high school sweethearts or people they met early on in college. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, I know my wife will never listen to my podcast, and I don't know what, about Danielle. And I know Danielle will definitely not listen to mine. So, But but at some, at some point in another conversation, we should compare Toledo and Texas. I would have loved to have gone to Texas for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> it was a great experience. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Texas football – uh, it's special, as you know. I mean, everybody knows that just the state of Texas in general and their love of football. High school, high school stars get treated like they're John Elway in Texas, and and I, I can still remember just because you know Kyle Shanahan, now the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, he transferred from Duke and came down to Texas at the end of my freshman year. And, right. you know, we went down to 6th Street one Friday night or whatever, and we were going through the bars, and he was hanging out with us, and he was, like, just shaking his head. And I was like, what are you shaking your head about? And he's like, man, <laughs> he's like, I mean, you're really cool, but these people are treating you like John Elway or something. This is crazy. And I was like, yeah. I know. It is crazy. I mean, I haven't even done crap, and they're, they're already treating me like I was a star. <laughs> kind of like what Kyle's getting right now out in San Fran. I mean, man, that dude – I mean, it's cool to see what he's done, and I've always wanted to play for him because I knew yes. his kind of offense would have suited right. me best. And I wish our cr paths have crossed, but, I mean, what a great job he's been doing. Yeah, that, yeah, he, he really has, and I hear you, man. I mean, I would have liked to have played quarterback in his offense as well. I'm, I'm with you, but he's a mastermind, and uh, he's in a good spot. Of course, he's a good friend, and, I mean, to me, Bruce, this is what's more amazing than anything. I mean, of course, you know I've known Kyle for a long time, and I know Sean McVay, who worked under Kyle in Washington, but all of them have this connection to Gruden, who we both played for, right, and it's right. just hilarious that Shanahan's in the Bay Area with Gruden – and the ASC West and NSC West play each other this year, so they're going to all have to face off against each other, and I just think that's a really cool dynamic in the NFL this year. Oh, that's awesome. And I was going to get to Gruden because I, I come in my rookie year, I'm, you know, I'm the backup to Chris Sims. You know, as a rookie, I, was, I, I love Gruden's offense. I mean, I, I grasped yeah. it pretty fast, but it was, cool, it was cool to have you because you, after every practice – you would look at me and just shake your head, and I'm like, what? I'm thinking I had a rough day, like Gruner got after me, and you're like, you haven't seen anything, man. You should have been around 
when uh, when my rookie year, when he's telling me I'm like warm piss running down his leg. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes, I I, uh, I mean, yeah, we both know how intense Gruden can be. Um, I, I think the one thing, it, it, for some reason it comes up a lot, even on like my podcast that I do through Bleacher Report, Sims and Lefko podcast. Yeah. Like we, we've had a number of ex-Bucks players on, whether it's Tim Brown, Rondé Barber, Derek Brooks, uh, it's all come up at some point how they were uncomfortable <laughs> with how Gruden treated me early in the year. And listen, I never took it personal. I think you and I both know, like, Gruden was the type of guy, if he wasn't saying anything to you at all, that means he didn't like you. If he was on your case and constantly pushing your buttons and driving you, especially at the quarterback position, then you knew, okay, he sees something in me. There's hope for me. He's trying to drive me, and that's kind of always the way I took it. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of how you have to. I mean, I, and you're right, because I remember it was after my second year. You know, I started 11 games as a rookie. If if yep. your ass doesn't get hurt, you freaking rupture your spleen. I was looking to make one of those Matt Flynn deals where I never played and I backed you up for years. <laughs> and then I get like 60 million. Great, yeah. oh, you know, you couldn't help your boy out, but, you know, you, you – so we're playing. I couldn't help myself out. So that's, uh, there, there's, I couldn't help you out because I couldn't even help me out. Well, I'm glad we can laugh about it now because, man, I, I remember we're playing the Carolina Panthers my rookie year. Sims is out there just balling, just taking hits, man. Julius Peppers, all those guys. It was insane. Yep. And you come yep. to the sideline one time and you're like, man, I can't even, I can't even breathe. And I'm like, oh right. yeah, that's probably your ribs. Like that happened to me in college. Just get an injection, you'll be all right. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too, man. I was like, I gotta have a rib. Maybe it's like touching my lung or something. I couldn't figure it out either. I certainly wasn't thinking I'm bleeding internally and and dying here on the field. Yeah. So tell us that story because I came in for like a snap, and then you come back in the game, and you're like pale as anything, and yeah. you, you fight through that game. But tell us like that process, and even after the game, what happened. Well, I mean, I, I, I think like a little bit, we got to talk about, we, we started off the year, what, we were 0-2 at that point, right, right? right? And we lost the Ravens, and then we lost the Atlanta Falcons. And I didn't play well, really, in either of the first two games, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, thanks. No, yeah, you didn't. Thanks for <laughs> verifying that hey, for me. Well, uh, real, real quick, we're playing, the, the opening game, we're playing the Ravens, like Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs. And right. I'm on the sideline with the other backup, Tim Rattay, and we're we're losing like 20 some nothing, and... You know, it's like the fourth quarter, and I look at Rattay, I'm like, how does the NFL work? Like, is there any chance I play today? Like, just because, you know, when you know you're not really going to sure. come back to win. And, and right. Rattay is like, nah, don't worry about it. Your Sims ain't coming out. Next thing you know, Gruden looks at me like, hey, you're in. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I was all, like, about to crap my pants going with, against Ray I Lewis and Terrell Sugg. Well, I know. that. Well, yeah, I was too. I'm with you. I mean, yeah, they kicked our ass. I threw a pick six. Uh, well, this is the thing that still pisses me off about that, Bruce, and you're going to remember this. I mean, the whole offseason, we worked on hurry-up offense, four wides, Chris Sims at the line of scrimmage, Gruden with his package of plays at every formation, and I was going to get us in the best play. Remember, we had David right. Boston all offseason and all training camp, right. and, we, and we had talked about Gruden and I, you know, because we had gone to the playoffs the year before. We found out the schedule, and we had talked about Baltimore. We knew it was the opener, and we were going, man, the one thing we think we got an advantage of them is if we made it a space game, and we could be faster than them, and that's not their kind of game because they were big and physical. And that's all we practiced, all OTAs, all training camp. And, and Gruden then got we tight. David, wait, we cut <laughs> David Boston. We signed another tight end, and we went the exact opposite game plan. We went, let's go three tight ends and one wide receiver. And, of course, we played right into their hand. They whooped our ass. The next week we go to Atlanta, uh, and they break out the read option, right? The first time oh. in the history of the sport, really, the read option. I can Watching still remember Vic, looking yeah. at Monty Kiffin, right? And he's like, what the hell is this? What do I do? Right. And – uh, yeah, they ran for over 300 yards. I threw three picks in the game. Uh, got a little unlucky, but it doesn't really matter. When you lose and there's three interceptions next to your name, it, they're going to blame it on the quarterback. So we go into Carolina, and I know that, I mean, John Gruden's my head coach, and he's fickle with the quarterback position as is. So <laughs> right. yeah, the game starts, right? I mean, the game starts. I take a big hit, I think, on the second drive. It was 23-Z in, and I was going to throw the curl route to the left, and somebody flashed. I pumped back, and then I was going to throw it out of bounds. And Chris Jenkins, the big nose tackle, he hit me from behind, and I never saw him coming. 
and I knew Thomas Davis was running right at me, and I saw him, and I was getting ready to throw it out of the bounds. Chris Jenkins hit me. I kind of get extended, and now Thomas Davis is full speed. He puts his head right into my stomach. You know, from that point on, I was miserable. Like you said, I took a lot of big hits throughout the game. I basically blacked out at the line of scrimmage on on one play that you were talking about. I had to come out of the game. I went in and got an IV, but uh, you came in. But I wasn't going to stop playing. I mean, first of all, like you said, I was having a pretty good day. Right. And I knew my my job was on the line with Gruden. Right. I mean, right. so, I mean, I wasn't going to let you have a chance to get in there and throw a touchdown and win the game. So right. I I kept playing, and I took some big hits on the last drive of the game. And, of course, we ended up losing because they hit, a, I think, a 59-yard field goal to win it. But, um yeah, I just I knew something was wrong for with me on that last drive with the Carolina Panthers. I remember going, man, something's not right. This is worse than a broken bone or like a punctured lung. I, I wonder if I'm bleeding internally. And you're right, I was white as a ghost. I got done with the game. I still got a picture of Jake Dell home running over to me to say hello, good game, whatever. And his his head is tilted to the side with like confusion in the picture because he's about to say to me man, you don't look good. That's what he said to me. You don't look good. Are you sure you're all right? And I went inside, and I could barely walk. I didn't listen to Gruden talk. I threw my helmet into the locker room. I just went and laid down on the trading table. They pushed on me. They said, let's go to the emergency room. Maybe your spleen's hurt. I go to the emergency room. They put me in a CAT scan. The CAT scan grows over my pelvis area. They came running out the door. They were like, Chris, it's serious. It's really bad. You're going into surgery in the next 15 or 20 minutes. You've lost a ton of blood. It's all in your abdomen. I had lost nine pints of blood. There's only 14 in your body. They weren't sure I was going to make it out of the surgery. They brought my wife in to say bye to me just in case. Uh, But I made it, and, of course, it was a long road back. I was never quite the same athlete or player uh, after that, but uh, there's the there's the long story and a, and a shortest version I could give it. Man, you know what? And that's what gives me the chills. So, I mean, I'm just happy we could uh, have a laugh over some of our stories. But that that yeah. time, man, and and I just I remember like it was yesterday when you told me that the docs were like, "Hey, we're gonna bring your wife in just to say bye, just in case." And that, right. I mean, I'm like, what the heck, man? We play this game, and you never, you know, expect something like that, man. But, you know, we don't know when to say when as players. I mean, I dealt yeah. with that towards the end of my career, and you had it at the at the prime of your career, and you're like, I am not coming out of this game. Yes, right. it's probably a bruised rib, something like that. Now all of a sudden, you're laying in the emergency room. They're about to rush you, and then they're like, say bye to your wife. Gosh, man, that is just... It's unbelievable. It is crazy. You're right. And I had a a brand new little girl. So, you know, yeah, you hit it, Bruce. I mean, there's just one, it's one of those things you don't ever think can really happen on the football field. And just how we started off our conversation today, you and I, I mean, whatever. Hey, listen, I know I grew up in a silver spoon household. My dad was, you know, Phil Sims, New York Giants. Certainly I had a lot of the things I needed and wanted and I was spoiled in life. But we still love football. <laughs> yeah. I still love to compete. I still love to work hard. My dad was grew up on a farm. My mom was the, the daughter of a butcher. So it wasn't like I was from this uppity, like, nine generations of wealth and money. <clears throat> and, yeah, you're like me. I mean, I'm not coming out. I, I don't see blood. I don't see a bone sticking out. I'm going right. to keep playing, Coach. And, it, and I, I still follow that. Like, what would you do today, right, with the concussion protocol? Oh. I, mean, I would lie every time. I right. would, oh, my shoulder hurts. Right. People don't understand, man, because a a guy like in my situation, when I'm just trying to make a football team, the minute I miss practice time or games, just like it happened at the end of my career, I miss time. Landry Jones comes in, does well. I'm more expensive than him. They don't need me anymore. And exactly right. I mean, it's insane. One of the um, funnier story, though, like our time with Tampa, I remember, like you said, we're practicing no huddle offense. We're practicing all this stuff. And I remember the focus in in that first offseason was like, uh, you know, you're getting some balls batted down the line of scrimmage. And, I mean, that shit happens. I mean, it doesn't matter how tall you are. You know what I mean? It's just sometimes the luck of the draw. So Grunin has – one of our, um, uh, what's it called? Scout quality or control. quality like control, quality control, Burbanek. Yeah. Burbanek. Yeah. Our offense quality. He puts on these, uh, hand pads and his job. Now, believe me, we're throwing routes on air. So there's no offensive lineman. 
There's no one else except Sims and the wide receiver. And he right. wants Burbanek, the offensive quality control guy, to rush off the line like he's Julius Peppers or something and put his arms up. So he's wearing these pads on his arm. And Sims winds up and freaking fires a bullet, hits right off the pad, and pops Burbanek's shoulder out of the socket. <laughs> See, like it was like it was like a cartoon. His movie, his arm went like backwards, like in a windmill. Oh. Like it was like it. I know. Oh, I was so pissed. I was so pissed. So I hated that we were doing that drill, and I can still remember it. I've seen the video since because Gruden's even texted me the video a few times to be like, you know, ha ha, you remember this? This right. is awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was pissed, and I remember I was just throwing it as hard as I can, and I was like. You know, I you know I was like, <laughs> screw his damn bags. I'm gonna yeah. break his arm if I got to. <laughs> and then he laid there. And remember, he laid in the fetal position, and we all just looked at him. And then we just went to the another field, and like we were like, all right, let's keep practice going. The hell with that guy. Oh, is that sick though? How football is like. If a guy gets injured, they just turn their back and go to the grass. Where move no it down. Move it down. <laughs> hey, trainer, trainers, medical people. There's somebody down over here. We got other stuff to do. <laughs> oh man, one of Gruden's awesome drills. But I I love that. That, that was such a funny time. But speaking of Gruden, though, like he's he's back in the saddle now, goes to Oakland. And, and I think both of us, I mean, look, he, he gave us both opportunities. I'm super yep. thankful for, for how much knowledge I learned off him and me as a player. That helped me play 11 right. years in the NFL. If I don't have that knowledge of how to play the game uh, quarterback from his eyes, I mean, I think he does a great job. But now he's back in the saddle yep. after not coaching. What do you think the transition is going to be like for him going to Oakland? You know, I, I don't think it's going to be that difficult. I really don't. I mean, um, you know, I was at the owners' meetings a few weeks ago doing stuff for NBC there and Pro Football Talk Show. I mean, I got a chance to t talk to, to Coach Gruden and hang out with him and, and have some conversations. Um, I think he's extremely excited. He's a Raider. I mean, he is, he is the perfect fit for that organization. I told him when I was there, I was like, you should wear an eye patch over your eye when you coach the game because that's how <laughs> much of a Raider you are. I mean, he really is. You know it. He's got renegade in him. And yeah. uh, I just think you both, we both know he's been studying the game like a madman, even though he's been away. He's been talking about it. He's learned things. I think he's – I have noticed that I feel like his social skills have even gotten better since when he coached us, that he's a little more open-minded. He doesn't judge people. You know, he's, he's a little bit better that way as far as, you know, how you and I both knew he could get at times with people or with us or whoever it may be. I think he's a little more – I don't know what I want to say, just judicial in uh, his judgments at times, maybe. Uh, right. But regardless, I think he's going to be awesome. And I think that he will find new plays, new ways to call his offense. He told me he was changing a lot of the language. He was going to cut it down because he just said the college kids coming out, they can't do it. He had a playbook with him at the owners' meetings because he was quizzing himself because he wasn't even used to the verbiage. Wow. But he's making it a lot simpler, yes, so they can do that. And I would imagine, you know, just like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan learned from John Gruden, well, I can promise you in year one we're going to see John Gruden steal a lot of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan plays, and that's what I'm kind of excited to see, actually. Oh, you're right about that. And I remember this play used to keep me up at night. Do you remember this? Indy right 10, X short, fake 96, power king, naked left, X slide. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of his plays, Falcon right tight, shift a weak right tight, Y right, H3, X bingo, Y smash. I mean, some of those plays, I'm still like, what the hell? And then, you know, what I always loved is every year he'd, every year in the offseason, he'd tell us, I'm going to make it simpler for you guys this year. I'm going to make it simpler. And we'd get to the season and it would be worse. So you'd be like, well, man, we've added words to the offense. West right slot, 72 Z bingo, U split, dummy snap count. We're going to can it with 58 Lexus. We're going to apple it with 314 hammer dummy snapcat on one rocker 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 is that insane those days that's insane right? so so yeah you just called three you know basically groom would give us three plays you know you'd call a right. lot or you'd call two plays in the huddle and then your apple was like a trump like if they didn't give you a right. look for either of the first two plays you could go to this third play but you're also going on a dummy count to see what the defense does and I yes. mean, this stuff, I mean, but that's what I'm thankful for because he was such a good teacher, you know, so yes, it was. was easy to grasp what he was teaching, even though it was, it was long as hell. 
he made it like fun to learn from him. And, and I'm excited to see that. What do you expect from Carr in this offense? I think it's going to be a perfect fit for Derek Carr in this offense. I mean, I think his skill set is exactly what Gruden likes. I mean, a pretty good athlete, quick feet, can get the ball out of his hand in a hurry, can make all the throws, can throw the ball from different angles. You know, I think Derek Carr is going to go through a lot of the stuff that you and I went through. He's going to learn more football probably this offseason than he's learned in his first four or five seasons altogether. He's going to have more questions. I mean, you know, more answers to – whatever it is a defense can do. And I think that's what, you know, you're saying too. Like we're, we're appreciative in the Gruden facet of the fact that he, he taught us how to play football to where we knew even when we went to other teams where you were like, Oh, when a team runs this blitz, we should run this play or this pass protection or run this running scheme. And we always had answers in the John Gruden offense, no matter what the formation was. And I think that's what Derek Carr is going to realize is so awesome about it. And that's what was great, man. He always gave you answers. Like, I've played for other teams where I'm like, dude, like, I'm not Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not going to make a guy miss, bounce off another yeah. guy, and throw A.B. Right. a 60-yard touchdown. Like, I'd probably th- – <laughs> right. I'm throwing a pick six on that play. You know, like <laughs> – you know, I know. Go ahead. I know. But um, – Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You're right. I mean, that's uh, that's exactly it. I mean – you know, yeah, that, well, I mean, that's something I'd like to ask you about you. I mean, seriously, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger. I, I really look at Ben Roethlisberger sometimes, and I, I do think he's almost cheated in a degree uh, as far as one of, in the conversation of all-time great quarterbacks. I mean, right. he should be in it, in my opinion. I'm not saying he's top five, but I think Ben Roethlisberger's in the conversation for top ten quarterbacks of all time. I mean, it just doesn't matter. I always look at Ben and go, I know he wasn't like Peyton Manning or, or Tom Brady as far as being surgical and maybe every, knowing every nuance in the offense, which you could probably answer better than I can. But the one thing I say about Big Ben is physically his size, his ability, it didn't matter what offense he could put in because he could make plays with his physical freakness that a lot of other people in the NFL couldn't do. And I think that's what people miss out on Ben Roethlisberger sometimes. Well, and you're absolutely right, and you said it. Like, Ben, he might not be surgical, but the dude is a baller. I mean, it doesn't matter what offense coordinator comes in He's going to make them look good, and I've seen it time and time again. I'm standing on the sideline, and A.B. has just a five-yard under route, and you know, you're know you always supposed to cross face. Never let the defensive guy cross your face. you got to get in front of him, and A.B. will stop, put his hand up, and go behind him 30 yards downfield, and Ben reacts, throws it. It's a touchdown, and no one says anything. Right. Another example, you know, Ben's hot. He should throw the hot route, but he realizes it's not going to get him a first down on third and 10. So so he doesn't throw it. He moves up in the pocket a little bit and throws A.B. a 60-yard bomb. And those are the plays of like like we we, when we were in film room with Gruden, and I was even with Jay Gruden, you would watch – they'd get mad because it was third and 10 and we didn't execute, and they're like, you just got to make a play. I mean, you're not always going to draw up or call the correct play. So with Ben – you always have a chance, and I say it all the time. I mean, if if you know the game's on the line, I want Ben to have the ball because honestly, the guy will make a, he'll find a way to make it happen. I've seen some unbelievable plays where you like you don't think you have a chance, and I'm like the dude's poise in the pocket is unbelievable. It is, it is. He's he, again, yeah. I think he's undervalued as far as that conversation. You're right because yeah, he might not be as surgical as a Brady or a Manning like we talked about. But he also can do some of those things you just explained better than they could and that they can never dream of doing. I mean, man, I mean, the AFC Divisional game against the Jaguars this year. I mean, come on. They're going to they're gonna lose 50-7 to seven if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't make like five or six of the greatest throws we've seen all season. I mean, people talked about Antonio Brown. Oh, what great catches. What great catches. Oh. If he didn't have hands and just stuck out his pocket, the ball was going to fall in his pocket. I mean, I looked at great throws that he made, the big throw to Martavis Bryant. I mean, Big Ben's still phenomenal in that way. You're right. And uh, I, I've always enjoyed watching him play. Yeah, that, that playoff game against the Jaguars was perfect, a perfect game to watch. That it wasn't the play call on fourth and 11 when Ben throws just right. a bomb to Martavius Bryant or another fourth and seven where he throws a go ball running up in the pocket in AB. Yes. Gets inside leverage versus the defensive back. I mean, that, a go ball 
to throw versus that leverage is hard enough, but Ben's running up in the pocket and throws it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing <laughs> some of the stuff he can do. And I do, I do think that, you know, he's, he gets undervalued by the media and the public a little bit in, in general. Now, I mean, and then talking about these college kids coming out, I mean, what? Yeah. Is, how do you evaluate these guys? Because I know Darnold's not one of your top guys, but I like the guy, and I think I right. just I like him though because I feel some of that Ben type stuff, and I feel like nowadays in the NFL, I'd want a guy behind center that, hey, I know I'm not gonna always call the correct play, but man, you gotta help me out make a play, and I kind of feel like Darnold brings that. But what's the yeah. process for evaluating these guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, uh, you know, I got a great setup with film, and I just I try to watch five games, and then I watch cutups of third down passes, clutch drives, interceptions, all their touchdowns. I try to go through all of that, and you know, th- this is the problem I fall into with this whole business in general. I like Sam Darnold too. I think he's a top twenty pick. Yeah. But for some reason, you know, if you don't say he's number one, then oh man, you're a hater on Sam <laughs> right, Arnold. Right. No, I mean, I like I like all these guys. I really do. I, but they all have flaws too. And I'm with you. I see some of those things that you're saying, like Sam Darnold with the Big Ben stuff. But the problem is, is I see them always against teams like Arizona and Arizona State, who I don't think have one NFL player on their front seven. And I don't see it against Ohio State and Notre Dame or other talented teams. The Pac-12 stunk. And that's where I just fall into line of this, where Darnold, he's still young. He does still have time to grow. I saw him in person because I do pregame and halftime for Notre Dame on NBC Sports. So USC came to Notre Dame this year. Right. I'm not in love with his body. Um, I'm, he's a good thrower of the football, but he's not a special thrower of the football. Right. I just think out of the five quarterbacks, I just looked at it like this. There was nothing that I could say he does the best out of those five he's got very quick feet but i thought he was the worst within the pocket i thought he's the worst within the pocket as a thrower and then he led college football in turnovers and i saw a number of other dropped interceptions so i'm not sitting here trying to jump on sam darnold because there's a lot of playmaking and off schedule stuff and great throws he does make from the pocket i understand that but i'm just saying i think what i saw concerned me i don't know if it'll definitely translate to the nfl and it certainly doesn't scream number one or number two definite pick in the draft i think that's one of the things where i've just said a lot throughout this process like listen i get it this kid's really good but one of the weirdest things to me in the draft right now is that Sam Darnold's a slam dunk number one and number two. And, and people can go back and look at my history. I'm pretty good at evaluating the quarterbacks. I've been pretty spot on for about the last five or six years. Well, you definitely got an eye for talent. I mean, it, and you care. Like the one thing I know about you, whether you, you, you know, Philly Sims. Yeah, whether fe- I'm right or not. You're right. right yeah, yeah. Rather, yeah. Whether Phil Sims fed you with a silver spoon, you put in the work and you work your ass off. So when, when I hear you talking about the guy, these guys, I definitely listen. I'm like, oh, man, that's a good point. Like you always bring up good points. And when I, so I went to Darnold's pro day and Josh Allen, cause I was like, I want to see these guys in person. You know, I was watching them on Good film. For you. I saw, I saw your big bald head there. I saw you at Josh Allen's. I don't know if I saw you at Darnold's, but good for you. You, you see it? You know, I'm networking my man. I'm, I'm out there. So not knowing what I'm going to do, but I'm talking to Pat Shermer, Hugh Jackson. I'm sitting right. with Troy Aikman during, um, Darnold's workout and it was impressive you know throwing in the rain I thought his footwork did look good he does have quick feet got lined up to his target you're right he does evacuate the pocket too soon you know in games but so I left I left Darnold's pro day and I wasn't like blown away where I'm like man this is my number one this is my number one you know and I was like man we're talking about a number one overall pick I, I right. should I should see more. So I was excited yeah. to see Allen a few days later. And Allen's got the size. I mean, the dude is freakish uh, the way he throws the ball downfield. Yep. But then I'm watching. It was like kind of 10 throws in. And to me, there was just something in me that was like, I'm taking Darnold over Allen. Because okay. I, I just felt like Darnold's sense of urgency when he was throwing the routes or when Jordan Palmer was having him do a scramble, drill, and throw, it was more lifelike than Josh yeah. Allen. I felt like he was like, man, let me show you this bomb. And we'd all be like, oh, you know. Right. And it was right. and yeah. it was beautiful. And I think Josh Allen has a ton of upside. 
But I guess what I were what I wonder as I'm trying to like see this too is how do you even know? I mean, are scouts looking more at I can turn this guy into something because he's has the physical tools, or do I want someone that already has most of it? When you're talking about like a top pick. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think a lot of teams, you know, deal with that. And and to me, this is what I always look at. The first round is about eliteness, right? you got to do something elite to be drafted in the first round. You might not always be the most well-rounded guy, but if you're a pass rusher and you have elite get-off off the edge or you have elite size or length or, you know, for a corner, he's got elite straightaway speed, whatever it may be, that's what the first round is all about. So I do error on drafting on potential a little bit to a degree you might take a little more chance that's why you see more bust in the first round really because this they go well this guy could be a star but there are things we worry about in this game and that could happen the quarterback position you know it, it depends a little bit on the team itself too right now that's where i think this is an interesting conversation all this this year you know where you are in your lifeline of your team Listen, I look at Sam Darnold as a project a little bit just like Josh Allen. There's some raw things I think we can both agree on that he could probably sit behind an Eli Manning, right. and he's a young kid at 20 years old, and it will help him uh, when he finally does get in there at 22 or 23, whenever it may be. So, uh, I, again, I, I guess what you've got to look at is just the balance of it, of going, okay, what's his ceiling, where's his floor out, and does he fit within our scheme and what we want to do offensively around that? And I think those are the things you've got to figure out when you're an offensive coordinator or a scout in a scouting department. Those are the things I, I know I was taught a little bit in New England. And, you know, I, I guess uh, what, 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 I, what I would go to or more than anything at the end of the day is just pure physical ability uh, with the fact that knowing that, okay, I'm not going physical ability and this guy is a total knucklehead, knucklehead and horrible decision maker. Like, you know, the one thing, let's just talk about Josh Allen. The one thing you right. constantly hear, you know, oh, completion percentage. Right, right. right. I'm, I'm so sick of that conversation. I mean, if you watch the games in context and watch them fully through, you're going to realize that Sam Darnold gets about 10 completions or Baker Mayfield get 10 completions a game where they don't have to throw the ball past the line of scrimmage, and they can go 10 for 10 for 90 yards on screens. Right, and right. You watch five, five, you watch five games of Josh Allen, and you're lucky if you'll see five screens. Right. So I think that right there is 10 percentage points on your completion at the end of the day. So are we going to really knock down Josh Allen for that? I understand there's other things to be raw about, too, and concerned about. I get all that. It's a great conversation. But to me, too, those are like media storylines that people I go – well, if that's their only main point to argue about this or whatever it may be, um, I don't like that. And I don't think I like that the whole process, we judge certain players to one thing. Like I always hear that with Sam Darnold too. Oh, he's really good. His team was so overmatched in the Notre Dame and Ohio State game, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. But then I could go to Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, and nobody wants to give them that same benefit of the doubt. And, I'm, and right. again, I'm not trying to hate on Josh, uh, on Sam Darnold. I'm just pointing out that there's like we hold people accountable in different areas for some reason, and then another quarterback will just go, "Ah, oh, we don't care. We're not going to hold that one accountable for that." Yeah, no, it's inc- it, it is insane how that go- how that is. I mean, because you we could sit here like even I shoot videos on my Twitter of these quarterbacks. I could find a bad video about all of them. I could find right. an exceptional video on all of them. So it's like exactly. how the media wants to portray it, you know, but I think you made a key point in, in a roundabout way. There's so many variables that go into like being successful as a quarterback. I mean, right. we look at these and that's why I hate like the list of quarterbacks and, and we all throw them out there and stuff. But honestly, man, it's like, it's like going to a good situation with a good team, a good coach. That's right. I mean, I think like I, I see you got Josh Rosen it too, and I like Josh Rosen. I mean, the dude is smart as anything. Everything I hear about yeah. this guy, he's so smart. I mean, he's probably the most ready to play right now. And right. I wor- I worried about him just durability wise. But what yeah, your- me too. That's a, that's the knock. I'm with you. You know, what do you where do you think he falls? I mean, is I mean, are you so Rosen? I mean, that was my thing with durability. I mean, guys say, do you love it? Does he love the game? Does he not? I mean, I think we're reaching sometimes, you know, I mean, you have to love it enough. Um, But what's your thought on Rosen as a whole? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the off the field stuff. Listen, I have enough. Tr- you know, you know, I have enough trusted friends, coaches, in front office that, you know, there is some legitimate concerns about his attitude, and I trust some yeah. of the people that told me that go. Just you know, hey, listen, they just go. He's not a great guy. He's not my kind of guy. So right. I do think there's going to be some teams that are like the personality, and then some that are not gonna. But as far as the on the field stuff, I mean, I think you said it right. Like. He's the most polished and ready to go right now. And if he, had a, if he has pass protection and he has a system around him, he can be surgical because he is extremely accurate. He's got great timing and rhythm. I think his arm is stronger than people give it credit for. But within the same vein, you're right. In 2018, he lacks like the average athleticism you need at the quarterback position for a third and five scramble. I don't know if he can get six yards in the NFL and get a first down on third down. It's going to be close. Right. You know? Nor, you know, you talk about the durability thing. A lot of the times you look at and the big hits he takes, I go, well, damn, he just wasn't athletic enough to get the hell out of the way and not take the big hit. <laughs> right. uh, so, you know, so that it is, that's the big concern with him. So yes, he could be surgical in the right system with pass protection and receivers. But the negative to me would be if you, if, if let's say you lost both of your tackles for five weeks and your number one receiver was out, I think also out of the five quarterbacks, He's the least likely to be able to carry his team just through his physical gifts. Yeah. You know, yeah. where the other guys, we, I think we all see they have a little bit of a street ball edge to them where, oh, you know, they might be able to make a number of plays a game as the protection's not good or people aren't getting open because they have that physical ability. So that's how I look at Josh Rosen more than anything. I think he's going to end up with the Jets at number three. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you. My concerns are the same concerns you have. Yeah. Now, and then an interesting guy, too, and he's unbelievable to watch is Lamar Jackson. And, and I, I, you know, I was high on the guy, and I'm frustrate, frustrated right now because I watch this, you know, combine, and I watch his pro day. Dude, his footwork looked worse at his pro day. I'm watching him take a three-step drop, hitching up in the pocket yep. to throw a slant. Is he not? Uh-huh. Is he not surrounded by like the right people? A coach? Do you think the agent type, the agent matters to hire one? Like, what's the deal with him? Yeah, I, I think that is the biggest issue with Lamar Jackson. I mean, what have we had positive to talk about Lamar Jackson since the season ended? I mean, nothing. Right. His mom's his agent. One of his good friends that he grew up with in Florida is training him. Teams can't get in contact with him. Michael Vick can't get in contact with him. I know a number of coaches that had issues getting in contact with him. He doesn't run the 40, which isn't just – would have been – again, I don't need to see Lamar Jackson run the 40. I can tell you he's one of the fastest <laughs> right. guys in the draft. Right. I saw him run around Derwin James and Bradley Chubb and Cle- you know Clemson. I mean, if you can run for 70-yard touchdowns against Clemson, you can run against anybody. I don't care <laughs> right. who that is. Yep. But – but again, it would have been nice if he ran the 40 just again so we all could have gone, man, this guy's some special athlete. But instead we're going, ah, he's so raw, and we don't know what to think of him off the field. And I'm with you. I mean, you know, neither the combine or his pro day were nearly as impressive throwing the ball as you see sometimes on film when you go, ooh, wow, that ball was spinning and had some velocity on it. That was impressive. Right. So there's rawness to his football game, certainly. And there's some throws he misses in every game where I go, man, that should be a slam dunk throw at college, NFL, whatever level it is. And But then there's five or six throws every game where I go, damn, there's only like five or six throw, people in the NFL that can make that throw. Right. And I also look at it like this. I don't, in the last two years, every game I watched in Louisville, Lamar Jackson was the best player on the field. And I just think, in the NFL, we've seen this story before, whether it's Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, Dak Prescott. Oh, I don't know. There's some flaws with their mechanics. Can they be consistent throwers? Well, when they get out of the 20-hour rule in the NCAA and they're in the NFL environment, like you and I just talked about with Gruden, where you have somebody on your ass on a right. daily basis for 10 hours a day, I think some of those mechanical issues will get fixed because he's a great athlete and he's a natural thrower of the football. But, yeah, he's just going out there trying to get it done every day. He doesn't really have any mechanics to fall back on. That's how I kind of look at it. Yeah, and and that is, man, because I was on uh, Good Morning Football not too long ago, and I was like, I can't believe we're even talking about this guy playing receiver. Lamar Jackson's a quarterback. Look what he has done. It's it's unbelievable. Just because he's the most gifted athlete coming out in the draft, we're going to say he has to play receiver. But then after that – I'm like, come on, my man, help yourself out. You know, I'm I'm right. having your back. 
I'll come help you train to be a quarterback. You don't have to pay me. I just want to see these young kids take advantage of this opportunity. And, right. you know, so that's where I was kind of a little disappointed of his off-field stuff, but his film doesn't lie. And then I guess lastly is uh, Baker Mayfield. I mean, I, and uh, just getting your thoughts on him. Yeah, I mean, Baker, I, again, another guy I really like. I like all these guys. I mean, like we talked about, I mean, I think I, for me, all five quarterbacks are top 20 picks. I, I yeah. know Lamar Jackson's a, a project. I get that. But, man, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, he goes to Cincinnati. He goes to the Los Angeles Chargers and maybe gets to sit behind an Andy Dalton or a Philip Rivers for a year or two. Watch out. That's going to be the perfect situation. Wow. But yep. getting, getting, yeah, but getting back to like a Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, a great thrower of the football uh, he's got very consistent mechanics. He never really loses control of the football. Now he gets to throw to a lot of open receivers. That's what's hard about evaluating him. My old conference, the Big 12, it sucks. I mean, it's like a flag <laughs> football conference. Yeah. I mean, they don't play defense, right? I mean, you know it. I mean, all soft. I, I they're, not, those... they're not like the Western PA guys. They're all soft over there. Hey, listen, I'm not going to. You're, you're right. I mean, I don't think the Big 12 in toughness category is even in the same stratosphere is like the SEC, ACC, or Big Ten right now. And, of course, you know, we're not talking about any Big 12 defensive players in the first round of the draft. Has anybody noticed that? I mean, we're not right. we're literally not talking about anybody. So that just says a lot, too. But either way, uh, he is – he's good in the pocket. He can create some plays. Size is a little bit of an issue because I don't think he's overall, like, athletic enough like a Russell Wilson who people compare him to a lot of times to where I'm just going to go, oh – yeah, he's going to escape the pocket, uh, you know, against Von Miller and turn the edge and throw the ball down the field 40 yards. No, he's not that kind of athlete, but he's a good athlete. But I do worry about his size a little bit in games where teams can keep him in the pocket, like you saw right. in Georgia in the second half, where it did look like he played a little bit small in those situations. But other than that, uh, there's not a whole lot of negative for me to talk about with Baker Mayfield, and I know off-the-field stuff is just rave reviews. You, you can't find a person who doesn't like him. Well, and he, he's an alpha dog. I mean, he's the type of guy you actually want in your huddle, on your yeah. sideline, in your locker room. I mean, right. I know – I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. If he's the, our kind of guy. He's yeah. our kind of guy. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns tried to find a way to get him. But, like, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. But – I was also with Mayfield. I, I, like you said, he is. He's super accurate, efficient. I worry about his size because his footwork, to me, he's not really explosive out of the pocket, you know, right. to get, like, depth. And, and that's where it was kind of, like, a little alarming. But I'm I'm a fan of him, his as well. Yeah, I'm with you. Though. I know, I know. You're right. I mean, his – Again, like we're seeing with all these guys, I mean, nobody gets to play into the center anymore. So the adjustment, yeah, he doesn't even know how to get back and drive back out of the center when he takes a snap that way. Right. And those are things that, yeah, he'll, he'll certainly have to uh, learn on. You're right, because he's not going to be able to take three-step drops the way he did in that pro day because he'll, have, and he'll definitely have some coaches holding up some bags because he's going to have every ball batted <laughs> down ever he throws. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so real quick, I was listening to your interview with Joe Montana you you mentioned the Western PA QBs, Marino, Namath, Jim Kelly. I'm waiting for no Bruce Gradkowski or what? What a hater I am. <laughs> How did I forget about you? Seriously. I mean well, I broke I mean, all their records know, listen, in high school. I, I think very highly of you as a player and even higher uh, higher of you as a person, but I wasn't quite ready to put you in the uh, Joe Namath, Dan Marino, Joe Montana category as a player quite yet, okay, big yeah. guy? Yeah, well, Montana would have looked at you like, who? Who's that? <laughs> yeah, you know, Bob, good old Baba Gadoosh from Baba Western Gadoosh. PA. You don't know him? The, the Wedding Crashers. <laughs> Hey, real quick, this we're not elaborating on this. A few questions, your quick answer comes top of your mind. Who's the best okay. QB in the NFL, ever in the NFL? Who's the best QB in the NFL? Oh, uh, the greatest QB ever is still playing right now for me, and that's Aaron Rodgers, okay? Oh, Aaron nice. Rodgers, I've never seen anybody be able to do some of the things he can do on the football field. It's a team sport. He needs some help. He can't do it all himself, so he's not going to win Super Bowls every year, but – for me, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback I have ever seen. Who's the best young QB coming up, like whether in the NFL um, that will take over once Rodgers and Brady are done? 
Right. I, I mean, they're the two names that that I love. I mean, of course, Deshaun Watson. Right? I mean, we saw what he could do last year, so yeah. that has a chance to be really special. I mean, he had some Aaron Rodgers qualities. The other guy that you know we'll see this year that I'm really excited about is Patrick Mahomes. I mm, mean, nice. he he was. Uh, I really enjoyed evaluating him last year coming out in the draft, and you got to see a little bit what he was in Week 17. So those would be the two guys I look at to be the next superstars. Who's the best current head coach? Oh, gosh, you know, that's kind of hard to go. It's not, I, I got to go with Mr. Evil Empire up there and Bill Belichick, my old boss. You know, yeah, he's amazing. Bill, I mean, uh, Bruce, he's amazing. I mean, he's, I tell people all the time, I worked up there. Yeah, he's a great coach. He's one of the smartest human beings I've ever been around. If he was working on Wall Street, he'd be the wolf of Wall Street. He'd be running that stuff. Man, it's unbelievable. People say all the time Brady's the greatest, and I think Brady is one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. But he's got the greatest coach with him as well. Yes, I, I, that's it's it, again. I, I know it, it's an annoying topic because I always say Tom Brady's the third greatest quarterback of all time, and, and apparently that's insulting to people. I right. mean, it's, you're not allowed to. The New England Mafia will literally cut your head off for saying that. But um, yeah, Brady's awesome. I mean, I worked there. I played against him. He's the man. Don't get me wrong, but come on. I mean, are you, if right. we put Aaron right. Rodgers and Tom Brady on the field together, there'd be a lot of things Tom Brady couldn't do that Aaron Rodgers could do. And on the other side of that, there'd be nothing that Aaron Rodgers couldn't do that Tom Brady could. You're, you're right. So, and then last one, uh, your top five all-time QBs. You got Aaron Rodgers, number one, Brady, yep. three. What yep. are other I'm going to go, I go, I go Rodgers, one, Elway, two, Brady, three, Manning, four, and then where I always get to five is always a close one between Dan Marino and Brett Favre, and I will probably go Dan Marino at number five. Yes. Yeah, another Western PA Western guy. PA. Man. <laughs> and Greg Kowski at six. I love it. <laughs> All right, Cindy, it's always a pleasure, my man. I appreciate you coming on. you the man, Bruce. Good luck with everything. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. Well, you heard it there. Chris Sims, what an interview. Great to have my man on the show. A lot of unbelievable insight. He puts a lot of time into studying these guys coming out. He knows the game. Hey, his dad's Phil Sims. He's right. He has a lot of connections. Sims got a lot of connections out there. So it's great to get his insight and his feedback on some main topics. Once again, thanks for tuning in to the Bruce Gradkowski podcast, grad school, hashtag. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you guys need. Thanks for tuning in. Send me your questions, and I'd be happy to answer them. Have a good one.